how to use wedgie board and is it real do wedgie board really work and if so what happened where do i obtain a wedgie board do i have to make my own wedgie or can i buy one from a witch or vegan <laughs> to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Friday, August 21st. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here, as always, we got Tass Mellis. What's up, homies? Hey, Tassie, we got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey-o! hey The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. And last but not least, making the magic happen, J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are on a Friday. Shout out to everyone joining us live for right now on YouTube, and of course to everybody listening to the podcast a little later, wherever you download your No Dunks Classics. We love you too. Keep sending in your questions and comments for beach stepping, especially to no dunks at theathletic.com or hit us up on Twitter at no dunks inc. We're going to get to the four games from yesterday, go through them one by one, but let's start with a little draft lottery reacts from your draft lottery experts. No, Dougs, no. The Minnesota Timberwolves won the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft last night after you know winning the league's annual draft lottery. Mini entered the night with a 14% chance of moving up to number one, the same odds as the Warriors and the Cavs for best in the league, best chance at that. So here's the full lottery breakdown for you guys. At number one, the Wolves, two Warriors, three Hornets, Four Bulls, Trey. Five Hawks, six. Seven Pistons, eight Knicks. Hilarious. Nine Wizards, ten Suns, eleven Spurs, twelve Kings, thirteen Pelicans. And the fourteenth pick in the lottery there goes to the Celtics by way of the Grizzlies. So, the big winners, yeah, besides the Wolves, were those two teams that made significant jumps. You had MJ's Hornets moving up to eighth. And uh, Trey's Bulls moving up from the seventh position. All the way up to number four. Congratulations to you. Is that a win in your books? Oh, you love to see it. Somehow the Bulls aren't drafting seventh. I don't even remember what that's like. Uh, what a summer for the Bulls. You know, Boylan is gone. Second place in horse. And now the fourth pick. <laughs> Everything's turning up for Chicago. I'm thrilled. Tass, uh, any any uh, takeaways from watching the draft lottery last night? What do you think? Well, uh, I- I'm actually, if I'm Trey, I'm probably happy that you didn't actually get the number one pick this year. Because Hold on, is your name Tass? <laughs> no, because it's no not he's Trey. Tra- just, 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 tra- just barrel, man. Go. Go ahead. Because because last year you wanted the number one pick desperately because it was Zion Williamson. It was like, you must get it that last year. This year it is kind of like, I don't, you know, there's not that one clear number one, that franchise altera there. So it's not like, you know, you think you're not going to get that number one pick very often. So in a year where it's not a, a, there's an absolute lock at number one, it's probably not a bad year to have number, you know, three or four. Because it's like any one of those three or four guys at the top, I think are probably, you know, much of a muchness really. So I'd be okay with that if I'm the Bulls. Can't disagree. And not much of a muchness. No, you're right, Lee, though, that even the experts who are talking about whether or not uh, you're going to take James Wiseman uh, or you're going to take LaMelo, who knows? Who knows what you're getting? So you're basically, you know, taking a bet or taking a gamble on personality and whether or not your organization can build up a guy. And so there's definitely going to be some trading down because people believe, uh, yeah, I think uh, the number six guy or the number seven guy uh, could be our guy or Denny of Dia out of Israel, who's not the next Luka Doncic. Just because he's got white skin and plays abroad doesn't mean he's Luka Doncic, everybody. Everybody just relax for a second. Uh, But all in all, I'm happy for a small market team. I'm always in the corner of a small market team. So I'm kind of happy that the Golden State Warriors or Chicago Bulls didn't get it in the end. I was definitely hoping for Charlotte or Minnesota to get it. And so, yeah, I'm I'm pleased. But I think the, the from our perspective, as people who aren't draft experts, who are watching a lot of these draft experts say, hey, who the heck knows if it's James Wiseman or whoever, we're going to see some trading. I think that's going to be pretty yeah. evident, uh, whether it's before or you know, on draft day. It'll be interesting. Could we see the number one pick and the number two pick be traded? I mean, it's far-fetched, I know. Not for each other, of course, but both getting off of them because, like you guys talked about, it's like, who do you really take? I don't know. Maybe it's in play. I was laughing my ass off during this broadcast when an NBA draft expert, Jay Billis, he said, the only questions about Anthony Edwards, who, by the way, might go number one, you know, is at least a top three guy, 
Anthony Edwards, these are your concerns. The only questions, his efficiency, his decision-making, his shot selection, and his defense. <laughs> this guy is one of the best guys in this draft. Again, hey. I'm no expert, but ugh. You know, you know a bit about TV, though, and for him to rattle all those off in that B-roll that was eight seconds long, that was very impressive. That was a good job. I, I, the only questions oh, are bang, 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 Yeah. Well, you never. But you're right. You never hear him say five different setbacks for a player for the potential number one. Yeah. Yeah, that can't be good. And like from what I'm seeing, like the mocks, it is Edwards. You know, if the Wolves do keep the pick and they stay number one, it's getting a wing guy like him, and obviously an athletic guy like him and maybe they do slot him in there with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns though I've also seen people like try and convince themselves go Wiseman go two bigs um or hey you could take ball and move Russell to the two it's yeah it's this at least if this happens what scheduled for December 6th uh, excuse me October 16th the actual draft yeah there will be a lot of question marks in terms of trades and just who they who they even pick in this thing yeah, yeah, pretty funny that Anthony Edwards is getting compared to Andrew Wiggins and the top two picks in the draft are the team that just traded Anthony Wiggins to the team they traded Anthony Wiggins to. Wait, I'm getting mixed up now at this point. Andrew Wiggins, wow. Too, too similar these guys are. We'll see what actually happens. You know, I feel like after a draft lottery, there's always a lot of talk about this pick could get traded, this pick could get traded, and then usually it doesn't happen. But we yeah. did recently see a number one pick get traded, and, you know, it's hard to make a case to draft a LaMelo ball if you've got D'Angelo Russell in the backcourt, so maybe, you know, maybe the Bulls are going to get up to number one. We'll take that number one pick. You can have number four and some guy. Who would you <laughs> want then, Trey, if you if you traded up for one? Who would you take? Who would you want to take? I'm a LaMelo Ball fan. Of oh. the three guys who are in the top three, he's the one who seems like he has the highest ceiling to me. Uh, I'll take a pass on the two guys whose question marks are, do they want to play basketball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never good. Yeah, and never the Mellow Ball has played against men. So I, I think that is something that you can <laughs> at least... baby. Well, <laughs> I think that gives him, at least you've got a little bit more intel on him because, again, most of these guys we haven't seen play now for, what, six months or even longer. So it's, yeah. uh, it's hard. And not that we watch them anyway, but there was no March Madness, of course. And then there's not even these uh, workouts, I guess, that they, have, they haven't been able to do yet. So... Uh, it's going to be tough on the GMs because you're just getting a guy who you just haven't seen play all that much, and all you're going to do is get him in sort of scrimmages or workouts in your own gym. And uh, very hard to assess, I think, under those circumstances when you haven't really got much gameplay other than for LaMelo Ball in, in Australia. Yeah, that's very true. How uh, upset were you, Lee, that your Knicks fell all the way to eighth? <laughs> I, I was thrilled because it was another punchline for the Knicks that they actually dropped two spots in the uh, in the draft. I mean, it, it's just hilarious. It is hilarious how it keeps happening like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, who cares? <laughs> who cares? They'll screw it up anyway. Um, it would have it would have been funny though, as I was saying earlier, if the Knicks somehow got the number one pick and then they got like. Like, I mean, this this is not a Zion Williamson year, man. You're going to get a guy who, who might contribute, maybe not. No one really knows. So uh, it's just hilarious. It, I mean, people think there's always a fix in for the Knicks, you know, that the NBA wants to make the Knicks relevant again, and then something like this happens. So uh, if, you, if you think there's a conspiracy theory out there, I think it's been blown out of the water yet again. But this is a good year for the Knicks to pick eighth because they've got some great scouting. I'm sure they'll find their gem. Uh, just let's let's all wait for them to pick. You, hey, maybe Lamelo Ball falls to them. They're gonna take somebody, and it's not gonna work out. Yeah, that's just the way the Knicks roll. I, I think Lamelo Lamelo Ball is so interesting though because I, I heard you, you you scoff there a little bit, Skeets, when Trey said he mm-hmm. would take him because yeah, the the chasm between the spectrum of is he good or not is huge and and whether or not he you ask you let trace mentioned about the other guys do they want to play basketball well lamella ball who the heck knows if he's going to put forth effort i heard different uh different raps on him sam vicini of the athletic saying that on defense a lot of the time he's just wiping his feet ready to go back on <laughs> offense because he just <laughs> he just wants to have grip on the offensive floor where he wasn't great he shot seven threes a game shot 25 percent. he played in 12 games in australia it's not like there's a, a monstrous sample size out there either for a guy uh, who the heck knows man I, I love those interviews though that one question interview from rachel nichols hey do you like basketball hey do you like basketball? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be ready like for the draft, baby. Uh, hey, look, I'll say uh, I can see why Trey Kirby would want LaMelo Ball on the Bulls because he's got a look to him. That's oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> he's got the chains, he's got the earring, he's got the little wispy mustache. Hey, kid's confident in his look, there's no doubt. So I uh, liked uh, people sense. saying, can you guess which one of these men played professionally last year and which one of them <laughs> played in a college system? Anthony Edwards is sitting there just wearing like a t-shirt or a sweatshirt. 
and Lamella, like you're saying, looking like The Rock, basically. <laughs> Who knows, man? When you watch like uh, the scouting YouTube clips, the weaknesses for the top three guys are all they don't care at all on defense. And they're showing you the clips. It's wiping feet. It's just standing around. Or if you're Wiseman, it's just being big and slow. But uh, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, the great thing about a draft is that you get to be excited up until it actually happens. And then you get to be even more excited until your player fails. You know, the Bulls don't have a great history at the fourth draft pick. We're talking Marcus Pfizer. We're talking Eddie Curry. We're talking Tyrus Thomas. Uh, so maybe we're putting this one on the Mount Rushmore of Bulls draft pick. The four spot. Yeah, yeah. The bonus of having all this time off is you have longer to be excited for no reason, right? <laughs> that your draft yes. pick isn't going to fail until February instead of November. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I texted Joe Mandy. Congratulations, he's a Wolves fan. I said congrats on getting the number one pick. He wasn't all that pumped for this draft, I'll be honest. He's like already already texting with all my Hawks friends to try and trade for John Collins. Will the Hawks take the number one pick? You know, is there something that can be packaged there? We will see. Um, we were speaking of uh, LaMelo Ball's cool look. What about Steph Curry? I don't know if we've got a photo of that there, JD, but Curry with the cornrows. <laughs> this an awesome look. I love this for Steph. And it was really jarring because I was catching a little bit of uh, the DNC convention last night, and him and his wife and his kids, they had a fun little segment on there, and it was uh, obviously recorded prior to him doing the rose here. Uh, but what do you think about this, Trey? Hey, man, it's a it's a different time. You know, people are avoiding barbershops more. So we got to experiment with our hairstyles. Skeets, you're growing a big old long beard at this yep. point. No different than Steph Curry going with cornrows. Hey, like how it. long does your hair have to be to cornrow it, Trey? Because look, look, look where you I'm at. You can yeah, do sure. it. You can do it for sure. All right. All, All right. right. That's a great pick and pay. Highly by recommended. The <laughs> <laughs> you did it. That'll you go did it over well in, for sure. You, you did it in high school, didn't you? Hey, yeah, I did. I did 20 years ago. <laughs> Times were a little different 20 years ago. Lee. Well, but listen, the, cor- the funny thing about cornrows is uh, David Beckham, who anything he does looks cool, even with him, cornrows sucked. Cornrows <laughs> sucked on him. So uh, I don't think I'm going to try, but eh, you never know. You never know. It'd be fun. <laughs> a couple other things before we move on to the games, uh, just from the broadcast. One piece of news that came out of this, you know, Adam Silver was uh, interviewed by Rachel Nichols. He said on the start of the 2020-21 season, so next season, December 1st, now that we're working through this season, it feels a little bit early to me. Um, and he talked about how getting fans back in the arenas is a priority. That's something we had been talking about in the past that we had been hearing too. So can't imagine uh, we're going to be tipping off next season in December more likely tasks that we're looking into 2021 like actually in january or february probably right yeah he said the loud or the quiet part out loud saying that we want fans in the building and so we're going to push it back as far as possible and that's Mm -hmm. that's that's exactly what we've been saying last few weeks it makes the most sense and it's nice to hear a little optimism from one of our leaders that not that he is in the absolute no about when vaccines are coming out or when actual fans will be in the seats but hey it's nice to have some uh some optimism out there that people will actually be able to do normal things, even if it's not tied to any actual reality that, hey, maybe 2021 will be okay. And you're watching the DNC yesterday, Skeets. Yeah, maybe there's a little optimism out there. But uh, yeah, the next year is next year that there is, uh, there's hope. There's hope that we will have fans in seats so definitely december is just it's too early yeah that way i mean we sort of always thought what <laughs> this means like they're gonna end what october and they're gonna be playing again in december that was always sort of far-fetched but yeah here he was saying that the other thing about this broadcast i mean i know they're doing the whole zoom thing like you know rachel's in one spot they've got all the experts all over the place i mean that's a difficult situation we know all about that but we got to start requiring some reactions from these team representatives, like whether they're in the studio or whether they're on the Zoom call. Otherwise, I mean, let's just put mascots in their places. Like, that would at least be funny and they would react because that's all they can do. They can't say anything. It's <laughs> just like, you know, I, and I get it. It's like, what are you going to react when you cut to a guy that, okay, they they, they, studded, they stayed in the 10th spot. Like, what do you want to do? But I don't know. Let's... Just get silly with it. I think they could have done mascots or something like that. It was just so, like, cut, nothing, cut, nothing, cut. You know, there was just not a lot going on there last night. It was a little Send the most animated member of your front office, and it solves the problem, basically, right? Like you're you're saying, it's tough to celebrate when you're supposed to be drafting number 10, and you still get number 10, but just throw up a a couple of fives. Yeah, do something. Do something. Give people a taste. Yeah. Uh, The one other note, uh, Hollinger... 
and Tim McMahon, I mentioned the, the Celtics getting that 14th pick. They both mentioned on Twitter that the Grizzlies have finally given up the pick. They owe the Celtics for the Jeff Green deal. Uh, <laughs> five and a half years later, Lee, six teams later for Jeff Green, who's now making a significant impact in the playoffs. We'll get to that in that game. You continue to have another good one. Uh, but that's done. That's over now. The Jeff Green yeah. uh, the pick there is, has transferred. Well, I think as well people were saying that's the reason why the Celtics went basically with their full squad against the Grizzlies to get hold of that pick, mm-hmm. I think. So uh, that's probably a part of it. Yeah. Some of these things, are like, you know, they just go on and on and on. It's like you just wonder if at some point someone's just forgotten about it or let one go. Because, I mean, it's, you know, people just, because didn't the Heat trade someone? I can't remember who for like a 2024 pick. Oh, yeah, I think that's, the, that's still going around. Right, I guess, yeah. maybe. The, uh, the, the Dwayne Wade trade, I think, with Cleveland, they gave a second-round pick in 2024. I mean, we're still four years away from that. I mean, <laughs> at some point, they just go, you owe us that pick, don't you? <laughs> what? <laughs> we traded Dwayne Wade hey. six years ago. Oh, that's uh, like any time uh, me and my buddy Grish make a bet on something. We yeah, have to write yeah, it down yeah, because yeah. three years later, someone's like, hey, you owe me 10 bucks for that one time we bet on uh, yeah. <laughs> Team X to not win 50 games. Yeah, yeah. you got to... You got to keep track of all these things for sure. Yeah, I thought that pick already conveyed to uh, Dean Wade. That's how they, they, they fooled him. Oh, oh, yeah, we already conveyed that pick. No, you don't have it anymore. You already have a D Wade on your team. Um, final thing, final thing I wanted to add. I don't know if you guys have anything else. I was just looking at uh, photos from the draft lottery and Getty images, and I was just got a kick out of this. JD, uh, I sent this to you so you can throw it up. Mark Tatum holding the cards, okay? Just have a look at this, guys. Did they Photoshop yeah. in the logo? Or is Mark Tatum holding the card exactly wow. the same? Because his face is a little different in some of them. Yeah. I, just couldn't, I couldn't believe it, Tass. He's holding it so perfect. And the angle of the camera is so perfect. It's like one of those people who have Instagram accounts that's just the same photo of themselves over in every single square of their Instagram account. Totally. But yeah, he's just uh, he's just made for the job. I, there is There are slight differences. But uh, he just does his job well. Slight, slight differences. All right. So congrats to the Wolves. Congrats to Joe Mandy. And we'll see how this uh, all shakes out come October, which still feels like an eternity from now. Um, But we're almost to September, so it's not that far away. Okay. Let's get to the games, guys. Uh, We'll start in the Western Conference here this morning. Anthony Davis helps the Lakers route the Blazers. 111-88. was the score of Mm. the day yesterday. A lot of 111s. But a dominant win here from the Lakers. They tied the series up 1-1, Tass. What do you think? Well, the Lakers really put the clamps on Damian Lillard. That defense that has been good all year long came out and, and really shut down Damian Lillard, and they were up 17 at half. And and I know the easy sort of storyline or the easy takeaway from this is, well, the Lakers are shooting well again. They just started shooting well. They weren't shooting well before. I don't think that was the case at all. They took away Damian Lillard big time, and we'll we'll get to him in in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the first half, the Blazers only had 39 points, and they were down 17 to a Lakers team uh, that was playing bully ball. And they only had four threes in the first half. I love how, you know, we talk about, hey, there might be two bigs on the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is a different Lakers team in that they're just going inside. Uh, It's a different team than everybody else, basically, in the NBA. And Anthony Davis is going inside, and the three start to open up in the second half. But LeBron was really a post player in in this game, and it just seems like he doesn't uh, have the finishing ability to score around like a Yusuf Nurkic or really big guys right now. Uh, that's, that's just what's happening. And maybe he'll he'll shut me up because that was sort of the storyline when they were down 3-1 uh, to the Warriors in 2016. Draymond Green goes out all of a sudden, bang, things change. There's people saying he didn't have any ability. He just didn't have a move at, at the rim. But right now, he's just a passer. He had four field goals and he didn't want to go into the lane, but he was playing from the post and he was creating offense. And I just wonder if we are entering that era of LeBron's game. Is he going to be a post player uh, predominantly a lot of the time? Because he is becoming definitely more of a, a passer and facilitator and finally somebody scoring more than him on a team. And he can score you know, basically when he wants. But he is having a little bit of trouble uh, finishing around the rim when there's big dudes. I mean, right. when there's small dudes, you're done. Uh, <laughs> but but when you got a Yusuf Nurkic in there, he didn't want to go in. And it was just interesting to see him just hang out in the post, especially not when he had Melo on, but when he had Gary Trent on him. And I just wonder what you guys think of LeBron venturing into that phase of his game because yeah the Lakers just played off him they played hard defense and it was 
shut down uh, in the first half. This was a this was a monster blow, garbage time for the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean for me, uh, Gary Trent has done a good job on him too in the post. It feels like though LeBron can take him anytime he wants, but he's either resisting doing that because he wants to make sure everyone gets involved and it's not just a LeBron takeover game, or it's just, you know, he's 35. He's not quite able to dominate as easily as he has done in the past. It reminds me a little bit of Shaq, you know, in those uh, last couple of years there in Miami where he was still good. Of course, he's still a great player, but he wasn't able to just throw guys out of the way like he could in his prime. So, um, you know, I think that's a factor as well. But I think mainly it was just the Lakers came out yesterday and were like, basically pick Lillard up from full court and get on him. KCP was on him pretty much at the start there. Try to keep the ball out of his hand as much as possible. Let those other guys uh, try to win the game for them. And they weren't able to do that. And on the offensive end, just way more aggressive, uh, particularly with Anthony Davis. Like yeah. he's the best player. Let's just get him involved early. Get him a lot of basket buckets get him to the free throw line and just really dominate as much as we can. So, you know, that's the sort of response you often see from a LeBron-led team in game two when they drop that first game. It's like, okay, we're not messing around here from the start. We're going out there and we're just going to completely dominate this team. And uh, and that, that's the thing. This game had no real juice as far as a competitiveness for me. I thought uh, the Lakers were on top early and it, Lillard was firing some of those bombs in the, in the first half. They weren't going in. And it was like, yeah, this is not happening tonight for the Blazers. <laughs> The Blazers should have rested their guys for game two. <laughs> they should have not even yeah. put them out there. I'm like half joking too. It's like, okay, we got the one game. Now let's give these guys a day off, a game off. Uh, and in, in a good way, it turned into a, a, to a blowout. So they didn't have to play heavy, heavy minutes. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, their star guys. But yeah, I like I like seeing LeBron on the block, especially against this Blazers team task. And yeah, if AD is aggressive and AD isn't settling Four shots on the outside like he's Embiid. Now, he's a better shooter, I believe, than Joel Embiid, but he's been ice cold in the bubble, so he just went to work. He got in the paint. Eight of his field goals in the first half were in the paint, and then one was a three in, like, semi-transition. Nobody picked him up, and he stepped into it with confidence and knocked it down, but that was just... uh, It worked so well. LeBron in the post, and then, like, this is... we can. They don't have an answer for me, LeBron, or especially for AD. They don't when he's aggressive. And he finished with 31-11, and and the game was over. LeBron, after the game's talking about he's a unicorn. Love hearing unicorn again. It had been a while (laughs) since we talked about a unicorn in the NBA. But he was, you know, really building up AD, saying, this guy does some things. Some of my other great teammates, like Wade, not Dean Wade, and Kyrie Irving, um, you know, we're not capable of doing, and that's the truth in this series. So it's just nice to see the Lakers go, all right, come on. Let's, let's, we got, we sort of got embarrassed in game one. We definitely got embarrassed in game one. Let's get back to what we can do here. And AD, you got to lead the way. So yeah, I like it. I like what I saw from the Lakers last night. Yeah, and the defense was good again. They've held Portland yeah. under 25 points in six of the eight quarters in this series so far. There's, there was a garbage time quarter last night, and there was that huge first quarter in game one that really turned out to be the difference in that win. Uh, but when the defense is kicking up like it has been for the Lakers, uh, they're going to be tough to beat even if they don't shoot well. They shot pretty well last night, but like you guys are saying, the reason I thought that LeBron and AD would be shooting 80% for the series is because they should be taking all layups, and yeah. maybe that will be the case. You know, obviously Davis, 3 for 4 from 3 last night. You love to see that, but there's an advantage for the Lakers inside. They just have to take advantage of that advantage on a night when, like, Hassan Whiteside doesn't play well, right? We talked so much about Whiteside in Game 1, protecting the rim, showing up everywhere, and it wasn't quite the same uh, in Game 2. If they're going to be able, if Portland is going to be able to limit L.A. inside, Whiteside's got to be good every single night, and good luck with that. Yeah, and another reason why maybe the Blazers should have given their stars the day game off. Uh, Lillard dislocated his index finger on his left hand in the third quarter, Tass. Um, Team said the x-rays were negative. He said it's just sore. It's a little tender to the touch. You know, he dislocated it, and it's going to be swollen. It's on his left hand, though. It's not his shooting hand. So he says he's playing in game three. We'll see if it affects him at all. You know, at the very least, his handle. I mean, it could if it's that bad. But that's, you know, it's like you already got hammered in this game, and then your star player who, like, you need to go for 40, basically, it feels like every night to win this thing, uh, obviously has a, a finger injury now. I was rough. Uh the best part about it for me was seeing eight trainers around him. It was like they were looking at each one of his fingers. Like he had one <laughs> trainer assigned to each one. If, if he was uh, if he was old, eight fingers. Oh no, that's eight toes. Uh, that would have worked out. Yeah, it did seem like there's eight guys around. Him. But it's yeah, it's on his left hand. So, I, 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 hey, I'm drinking the Damian Lillard juice. I think he'll be fine. And and, and yeah, it's I guess it's just. Yeah, there was no there was no competitive juice in this game. It, it seemed like it was over early. It would have been nice to have somebody say, "All right, Dame, 
they're taking you out of this thing. Let me step up for you, whether it's CJ or Yusuf Nurkic, probably one of those two guys. Uh, but that didn't happen. And uh, everybody's saying, well, they've played so many playoff games and they're bound to have a bad game. Sure. I don't think they're physically tired, but emotionally tired. I think it is true that hey, you can have a dud and the <laughs> Lakers can come out and, you know, throw some bows out there and pick you apart. Really, I think they wouldn't watch film. And LeBron said, I'll, I'll hang out in the post, especially when uh, Melo sits down. And it's funny just to see a LeBron line where he had more turnovers than field goals. But we're not even going to talk about that, really, because 10 points, uh, 7 assists, and 6 boards. He was just controlling everything, uh, despite not having a, you know, a real great shooting night. And it's just it's strange to see him uh, not be able to just fire on all cylinders at this point. I wonder if that is going to catch up to him later when they're playing a, a, a better team. But hopefully Dame comes back and makes this a series. Yeah. Well, if you're not going to have a good game on the floor or in the box score, at least you're LeBron James. You had the, I don't know what, the moment of the night on Twitter where uh, he's mic'd up and we get that awesome clip of like, hey, it's our ball. Hey, it's our ball. It's our ball. It's our ball. It's our ball. I've watched that like 20 times already because I laugh every single time how he goes from zero to 100 just like that. Uh, And then he's like up, he's around that barrier, screaming that it's their ball. Oh my God. Very, very funny. All right, well, let's move on from that. Anything to add to that Lakers-Blazers game? It was a dud. I mean, it yeah, was, it, you know, it was, uh, I think it was Schumann that tweeted that it was the first game for the Blazers, the entire bubble run. So they're up to 11 games, I think it is, that it wasn't a close game. You know, it wasn't a five-point right. game within the final five minutes. Like, wow, that is pretty incredible. So finally, it was like, yeah, they got hammered. They weren't up 30, unfortunately, but they were down 30. And AD was a monster. So we'll just see if the Lakers continue feeding AD and continuing to try and be aggressive with Lillard and get the ball out of his hands and see what Stott's counter to that is. I uh, can't wait to see. All right, second game from the Western Conference. Harden, he scores just 21 points. That's it. But the Rockets beat the Thunder Lee for the 2-0 lead. Uh-oh, your OKC upset. <laughs> Not looking good. No Westbrook through two games and the Rockets are up 2-0. No, first off credit uh, must go to Houston's defense. I thought they were incredible last night. Uh, hustling closing out on shooters, chasing every single ball they could, putting so much pressure on OKC's, OKC's offense. Because if you're the Thunder and you said before the game, listen, Harden and Eric Gordon are going to go two for 21. Do you take that right now? I, absolutely, they would have. Uh, because I didn't think Houston's offense was all that good. I thought it, was, it sort of picked it up. But I just thought they put so much pressure on Oklahoma City that in that third quarter, OKC, they did get the lead back. They won a little bit of a mini run there. But it seemed like that was such an abnormality uh, and uh, whatever, whatever word I'm trying to say there, um, um, because anomaly. other anomaly, that's it. Because otherwise, OKC's offense for the second game in a row just looked absolutely awful. It's so stagnant, so much one-on-one stuff. And honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this. They were better when Chris Paul was off the floor yesterday. He looks like he's he, you know, coming into this season, and and you know, he's going to make an All NBA team, whether it's first, second, or third. I thought he was a spry 35-year-old, you know, really turning back the clock, looking great. In the bubble and these two games so far, he all of a sudden looked like a very old 35-year-old to me. He doesn't seem to have that um, energy that we've seen from him. And and I'm really I'm really concerned. He saw, talked about after the game saying, look, I've got to pick it up. But I'm like, why he, he couldn't pick that up in that third quarter yesterday was a, a real surprise to me. And when he went to the bench and you saw... Gilgis Alexander and, and Schroeder out there. Schroeder wasn't actually very good either. Schroeder was horrible. Yeah, yeah. but but the SGA ball at least great. moved yeah. and there was a little bit more energy out there. And, and that's the real concern. For the Rockets, I think this is a, a fantastic result. Two very good wins. And, and obviously now they're, they're the favorite to advance in this series. And will they get Westbrook back? I mean, again, I think they probably keep him out as long as they need to while they're uh, ahead in this series and playing so well. You know, they're getting contributions from everybody. And um, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I picked the upset here for the Thunder. But man, right now it is... Very tough to see how they're going to get back into this series because their offense has just been awful. And and the Rockets, I mean, again, they had zero turnovers in the first half yesterday and they were still shooting the ball badly and they get a comfortable win. So um, that's, uh, that's to me, some, some good signs here for the Rockets. They, they seem to be clicking right now. Yeah, there was that moment where SGA went on a run. He was like splashing threes, but then the Rockets went on a 17-0 run in the fourth quarter to turn what was a deficit, a three-point deficit, 80-77 to 77, into a 14-point lead. And they won an ugly one. They were not like, they hit 19 threes. You're like, well, that's a lot. They shot 56 of them. So, uh, you know, and shot 42% from the floor. Not amazing at all. Dort did a great job. He was back on Harden and helping bottling him up. And Harden shot two of 11 from three. But it was the defense task. It really was like, 
it, 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 pretty damn impressive. Now, I think OKC's helping them out in that regard. There's not a lot of movement going on uh, around the perimeter or off ball, I guess is the best way to put it. So it's maybe a little easier to switch everything and you know where everybody is because the ball's not zipping around. Players aren't moving around, but still... Man, we get we got PJ Tucker box out highlights in this one. That's a <laughs> gang rebounding highlights. So, you know, the three Rockets digging down on Adams to stop him from tipping the ball to himself. That they just were playing way harder, and they're the team that's up 1-0 in this series. That was the shocking part to me. Uh, yeah, they're ready for the playoffs. I think that's that's what it is. I think the OKC still a little bit of a deer in the headlights going on. They're just not as scrappy. And that 17-0 run in the fourth quarter that really settled things, most of it without James Harden. Without Harden, yeah. Yeah, I think two things. Uh, from the OKC side, yeah, they're they're on the offensive side for OKC, yeah, they're loading up big time on the ball. And, OKC, and Houston is ready to rotate, but at the same time, I think OKC's playing into that loading up a little too much. Mm. Swing that baby more. And use a lot of the shot clock because Houston just wants you to, you know, fire up a shot or use one action. I think they just need to use a lot more actions. And from the Houston side, yeah, James Harden, uh, not on the floor for that big run. And even though Eric Gordon didn't have a three in this game, was 0 for 10 from three, at least he was getting into the paint. He is playing Russell Westbrook light. Yep. He is driving his ass off. And, you know, Harden had uh, five twos, 11 threes. Well, at least Eric Gordon was getting into the lane. He split his twos and his threes. He took 10 twos and 10 threes. And that was the key for me. He needs to get in there uh, and be able to to spread the ball out. So Daniel House and P.J. Tucker and Jeff Green and Ben McLemore and Austin Rivers, who was great, ha- to get to hit those threes. So that's he's playing his role perfectly. I was very surprised to see Eric Gordon do that. Despite having a bad night, uh, that was great. And the second thing is, or the third thing is, um, we talked about guys who are in the number two role not getting criticism, like Paul George, uh, Chris Middleton. We'll get to that guy, and Tass Mellis, because I also chose <laughs> I also chose OKC in this series. But because Lee made that prediction a long time ago, he's going to get the ridicule while people are going <laughs> to people are going to overlook me taking it. So it'll be a longer series. I, I Shea Gilders Alexander, I think. That was a nice, the bright spot for OKC, that he went from game one, what are these playoffs? I'm a good Canadian boy. This is, looks a little too rough and tumble for me, to I'm going to ball out in game two. So that was big, and Lou Dort was big. Uh, but, man, move that freaking thing. Mm. Yeah, Trey, uh, takeaways from this one? Chris Paul's got to be better. I mean, the number two guys maybe should get some criticism, but the number one guy here for OKC no has said himself, I've got to be better. It's yeah. as simple as that, and I think that's 100% true. He had, what, 29-9, and nine, I think, in the first game, but most of those points came... In the fourth quarter, we always praise Chris Paul for controlling the game and getting his teammates involved and then taking over in the fourth quarter. That can't happen anymore because if OKC's down in the fourth quarter, it gets tough to play two of their starting players, right? Dort, he does great defensively, but he's scary to, when he catches the ball yeah. offensively. You <laughs> And if you're down by 10, do you run a guy out there that you can't have shooting? Also, when Steven Adams is playing, because uh, then that's two guys that are... At, best getting a dunk maybe um and helping defensively and that's that's tough so chris paul's got to come out and actually try and do something in the first half i think would be huge and okc has to play a little bit harder eric gordon was ripping rebounds out of steven adams hands in the fourth quarter it was pretty crazy to see uh the thunder being the team getting out rebounded i know they won the rebounding battle but offensively houston took it and they just looked tougher they looked like the tougher team and i don't think you would have expected that coming into the series yeah the, uh, their offense up. was their offense was so bad for okc stephen adams put it on the floor at one point and tried to drive inside and that ended disastrously for them <laughs> but the thing was again that like he gets the ball and he's looking around and everyone's just staring at him and it's like okay, this is not the same team that we saw during the season they, they that ball did move around and chris paul took control of things but uh for whatever reason in these first two games and throughout the the seeding games there as well, they just haven't looked anywhere near the same team that they were during that uh, during the regular season. So uh, Billy Donovan's got some work to do here because uh, this one could be over in a hurry if they don't figure things out. Yeah, it is weird to see Chris Paul in the box score minus thirty six. <laughs> you do not see that often with Chris Paul. I mean, I, you'd have to go check the Basketball Reference to see wow. how many times that's happened in his career. I can't imagine it's many. Um, yeah, and much love to, and I hate to do it, to give much love to Jeff Green again because uh, he's still <laughs> trying to trick all you guys. So be careful, still be careful with it. But he he, he strung together back to back great games here. He was fifteen and seven in really big minutes off the bench in Game Two. Rivers eleven points. He hit. 
three threes. House, I know he's a starter, but obviously a role player for them. 19 and 9 in his nearly 40 minutes. He was attacking. The energy from the Rockets right now is very high. I mean, they are like, it's almost like, it's oddly like beneficial that Westbrook is like out and on the sidelines in an Iron Maiden shirt going bonkers, right? Like, he's a great cheerleader. I think he's having an effect. He was getting Harden fired too. up, and Harden getting fired up, therefore got the rest of the Rockets fired up. Everybody was going crazy during the 17-0 run, and that was with their two best players on the bench. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe Mike D'Antoni does eventually get fired after this season. I know that was an old-school oh, yeah. prediction, uh, but maybe they've got their replacement waiting in the wings already, <laughs> sleeves off. Oh, he looked awesome on the sidelines there with his hat and his mask and the Iron Maiden T-shirt. Like, fair play to Russ, man. He's not just sitting in the back there, you know, like clapping occasionally. He's up, and I think he was getting into it with the refs as well at one oh, point yeah. there. So, uh, Has he ever listened? to an Iron Maiden song? No, oh, I know. I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> I, doubt I could it. see Iron Maiden maybe playing in the locker room pregame, maybe getting them amped as they, no they come out. <laughs> no, no obviously not. Uh, uh, there's one more thing I wanted to add from this broadcast. I just because I was like, what? Lou Dort, you know, back again, he did a great job. And we talked mm. about Harden oddly having sort of bad game twos in a lot of series in his playoff career. He has monster game ones. Tails off in game two, but, you know, Dort was a big factor, I think, in this one. He does a great job of trying to stay in front of him, and he does. JVG, on the broadcast, the notorious Jeff Van Gundy, at one point says, there's going to be a lot of babies named Lou in OKC after this performance. (laughs) What? I mean, he played all right. There's not a lot of babies being named Lou for this game two loss where Dort (laughs) did a decent job playing on Harden. I, mi- I missed that. I did not hear that. But yeah. I'm glad I missed that, actually. But, yeah, Dort physically and, and ath- athletically can keep up there with James Harden. Yeah. Like, he sort of gets in his... Get, yeah. Gets, yeah, gets right in his grill. But, uh, yeah, the Rockets will let Dort shoot all day uh, on the other end. So, yeah, it's, you know, that, that's, that's the sort of payoff there. But, uh, but, again, James Harden, he won't care. He won't care if that's the sort of result they get when those other guys are hitting threes. Because they went on another cold patch, Houston... I think they missed like 15 in a row. Yeah. And that's the sort of situation where it's like, see, you know, when the threes are falling, that's great. But when they're missing, they're terrible. But it didn't cost them in the end last night. So, uh, you know, that, that that's a, a good sign for Houston that other guys are still stepping up and hitting threes outside of, you know, Eric and James. No, nope. they look great defensively. Again, switching everything. You hear, you can hear them on the broadcast talking yeah. to each other. Like they're that amped up. So uh, kudos to them. Take the 2-0 series lead. All right. We're going to get to yesterday's two Eastern Conference games, but first, a word from our sponsor. Folks, the regular season is fun and all, but one only one thing can compare to the excitement of the playoffs, but DraftKings, it's comparable. DraftKings is the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Both basketball and hockey have entered their respective playoffs, and DraftKings is putting you in the center of the action. With millions in prizes throughout the week, there's no better place to make it rain. Start playing for free with your first deposit today. If you haven't tried it yet, daily fantasy sports are very easy to play. You just draft your players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points based off your player's performance. There's no better way to put your sports knowledge to the test than to compete for millions of dollars in prizes throughout the week. But if daily fantasy isn't for you, DraftKings just launched best ball contests for football season. If you aren't familiar with best ball, simply head to the app now and check it out. You can download the DraftKings app and use promo code RUN to play free with your first deposit today. Compete for millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. That's promo code RUN to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes all week long only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, over to the East. Let's start with the Bucks. Bounce back. Defeat the Magic. 111. There it is again. 111.96. They tie this series up. Not much of a shock here, I would say, Tass. But what'd you think? You were all amped for this game, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lee said we should be worried about the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. I I don't know how Lee feels, but I was uninspired by the Bucks, really, in this game. Uh, Yeah, the, the Magic came out and were clanking the first quarter. They scored 13 points in the first quarter, and it felt like it was over. Hey, they don't have a very good offensive team. They don't have Aaron Gordon. A lot of those threes in game number one were just sort of luck of the draw. They, 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 they're not going to shoot threes like that again. Uh, and their offensive player that has a lot of juice, 
Uh, you know, Evan Fournier has juice, but Nikola Vucevic, I think, need, you know, he scored in this game. He had 32, but those long twos that he's taken, take a step and a half back, bury some extra points, uh, get get that three going. Yeah, you lost by 15. If you turn some of those long twos into some extra points, I think that helps Orlando. But that's that's the team they are. They, they're not going to hit threes. And I found it uninspiring because I didn't think the Bucks were all that phenomenal in this game. Giannis Tetkumpo did the exact same thing uh, that he did in game number one. Uh, but Brooke Lopez stepped up for me. And I think Brooke Lopez is their clear number two. Even though Chris Middleton wow. will, will throw out that 50-40-90 number and he was an all-star and there was some... some I, I forget who it was. It went one, in one ear and out the other. But some crazy MVP talk. I don't know why that what? happened. But, yeah, <laughs> okay. be, because of those stats. Because people Come like on. those stats. But he doesn't step up in the postseason. I, I, he just... It's not there. And I know you've talked about it before, Skeets. Brooke Lopez, at least, when... Giannis is, is he's a distributor. He's not always going to be able to dunk the ball when you face a good defense, when they face whether it's the Heat next round or the Celtics Raptors in round three or, or the Clippers or Lakers in round four. He's going to pass out. That's what's going to happen. And I don't know who's going to make those shots. I know Brooke's going to fire. He is going to fire. At, at least he's going to think he's going to be able to score. Chris Middleton, I'm just not sure. Uh, that's it's There's something going on there. That's my, this, you know, the worry with the Bucks is that... Um, Brooke Lopez, I'm I'm confident, uh, but then three, four, five, you know, Chris should be that guy, uh, but I'm I'm definitely worried about this team going forward. So yeah, they get a W against Orlando team who's not going to score all that many points, and yeah, Milwaukee was fine uh, defensively because they're that good, um, but. You're left uninspired. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you yeah. think about that, Lee? I mean, again, they tied the series up. You were a little concerned about the Bucks, how they played all bubble, and then in game one, what did you think? No, I, I agree with uh, what Tass is saying there. Like, they got the win, but it's like, you know, okay, you should get this win too. You know, they've got three more games at least in this series where they can start to hopefully find a little bit more of their groove. And I think a lot of it does come down to Middleton because I think they need Middleton to be the player he was during the season if they are going to go far. And uh, so far, he just he, he can't get into a groove. But, you know, yeah. This, that, not- you know what? I'm not that worried about that. It- and I've knocked Middleton before because he's had a lot of playoff duds. Yeah, two points, I think it was yesterday. One for yeah. eight. He's five for 20 in the series. Would you be at all shocked if suddenly Middleton goes for a 40 in one of these games? He is oddly uh, 40? like 40? Yeah, yep. I, I yes. would be surprised if he went for 40. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, got, I, He could have 40, but uh, the worry is that they don't know who's going to be on the floor at the end of the games. If it's Bledsoe or okay, that's uh, West yeah. Matthews. Yeah, so they need a little affirmation. They need a little confidence in their all-star, I, I think. You know, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, he may have, he is going to have a breakout game, but then it wouldn't be surprising. He is a number two that we don't ridicule. Uh, because it's not surprising when he goes from, we just expect, from a 25, 30-point night to a 5-point night. And I mm-hmm. just don't know who's going to who's gonna produce on this team. And if you can't count on your all-star, then, hey, man, we're going to be counting on Wesley Matthews. Man, we're going to be counting on Pat Connaughton to, mm-hmm. to let them fly. Yeah. And I love you, Big Pat. Uh, Let's get I Let's love get hearing <laughs> about all your sports that you're really good at. But, you know, we're watching the basketball playoffs it's not that important that you're, you can throw a, a football 65 <laughs> yards and that you can throw a baseball 85 MPH. It's, not, it's just not that important right now. And he had a good game. But again, uh, Budenholzer, he's not stopping going 11 deep. He's just not stopping. It's incredible how many guys he pulls off the bench in this game. So I, I just don't know how you can say... Yeah, man. Pat Conton's going to come through. Corver's going to come through. It's just, it's, you're asking a lot. I I mean, it sounds like me, what you're saying is that the Milwaukee Bucks aren't going to make it to the NBA Finals. It's possible. I like that they do. Sounds like maybe they would lose to the team that wins from the Raptors and Celtics second round (laughs) series is what you're saying to me. I don't know if you're saying that the number two player on the Bucks is Brooke Lopez, who also was invisible for last season's playoffs. That's not Uh, a good sign. You would would like... I mean, he shot 29% from three. Brooke yeah. Lopez is out there to shoot three. He shot 31% from three this season. You got to have Middleton. Middleton has to be their number two guy. Somebody that can put the ball on the floor and shoot over somebody. He plays best when he's playing off of Giannis, no doubt about it. But it hasn't been money for Middleton yet so far uh, in the bubble. And if the Bucks are serious about going to the finals, he's got to be an all-star caliber player. It can't be Brooke Lopez as your number two. I actually thought Bledsoe was decent defensively mm-hmm. last night. I thought... um or yesterday, I guess, his his uh, defensive intensity kind of picked up. They were picking up 
Markel Fultz at half court, which, uh, you know, he's probably not popping from half court. So <laughs> it just gets the team a little bit more, a little bit more intensity, a little bit more energy. And that filtered out through the rest of the team, you know. They played a lot of players, but I guess that's probably Bud trying to figure out who's actually going to be able to rely on come closing time in games that are a little bit tougher. Yeah, let's get a uh, my buddy Grish bet going, Skeetsy. You want uh, t- ten bucks on Middleton going for forty in the, this oh, series? God, look, <laughs> look, give me a ah, uh, what about what thirty? How do you feel about thirty? No, get thirty-five. Let's split the difference. 35. Okay, I'm not, I'm not upset with that. So he'll go for thirty-five at least in one of the remaining games in the series versus the Magic. That's what you're you're saying, thirty-five or more. I'm saying yeah. 30, 34 or under. Okay, yeah. I'll d- okay, I'll take that okay. bet. I'll take right. it. Ten, well, we bucks. Put, ten, ten bucks. Ten bucks. All right, virtual handshake. There we go. Beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, he's. I mean, he's just a, a weird player like that. I mean, Giannis mm. talked about it after the game. They're not worried. He's like he he has done this before, and he will explode in one of these games. So I think he would. I think thirty five is fair. I, I think it's in play. My worry is they'll be up too big on the Magic. I mean, we just need the Magic to continue to hit threes for this to be any sort of series, right? To have any really close games because they didn't. Bucks defense did a much better job. There's no doubt. Vooch got his, but you were saying Tass, those are long twos for the most part. But game one, it was like Gary Clark hitting threes, Ennis hitting threes. We went through the whole thing. Fournier hitting threes there. He caught fire late. It's like if nobody else is hitting them, there's not a chance. They, they, they're just outclassed. They're missing Aaron Gordon. Michael Carter-Williams not playing. I mean, these guys, are, not that they're going to help with the three-point shooting all that much, MCW, but they're going to help. They're, these guys are def- capable NBA players, especially defensively, to try and slow down. So, yeah, it's just a wrap if they can't hit threes. That's the only thing that can keep them close. And they were one of 16, I think it was in the first half from from three and it was like i was happy uh tass we talked about this game getting moved i guess if you want to call it that to the six o'clock stop start i was like this it was over early i checked out of this one very quickly because i was like "Eh, that's a wrap we're one one that's fine let me do something else here let me take the garbage out let me take the recycling out (laughs) like that (laughs) got some things done yesterday yeah 10 hours straight oh yeah it kind of limits what you can do for like two weeks straight now too yeah it's uh it was yeah i kind of tuned out too but why it was unimpressive was that the bucks didn't bury the magic like the lakers buried the blazers that's true like at least it was kind of close um you know it wasn't a 20 30 point win like the the lakers put on and i was a little disappointed that we didn't get some vic law minutes there's a basketball player on the orlando <laughs> magic named vic law haven't had haven't had one of those since ac law the fourth i, I don't think and so the new lawyer on the magic was really disappointed that it wasn't that much of a blowout that we didn't get vic i was just i just happened to be looking down the box score as you were talking about the guys who Weren't hitting threes on this team. Got some great names. Melvin Frazier, BJ Johnson, and Vic Law didn't get minutes, unfortunately, uh, on the Orlando Magic. Uh, maybe in game three when the Bucks beat him by four. <laughs> All right, final game here. Duncan Robinson. Oh, man, this guy's on fire. From Michigan. Wolverine there, Trey. Scores 24 as the Heat beat the Pacers 109-100. Uh, heat up 2-0 in this series versus Indiana. What was your big takeaway? Robinson was great, no doubt about it, but... Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler are awesome to watch right now. They are just such best buds, it feels like, out there. And Dragic is, uh, he's just been incredible in these first two playoff games. Um, 21 of his 24 points came in the second half in game one. Last night, it was 16 of 20. Butler and Dragic are playing a lot more together. Um, You know, uh, Dragic has moved into the starting lineup for Kendrick Nunn, and it's totally working. There's a lot of ball handling for the Heat, it's not just Jimmy Butler having to make every play. There's a lot of playmaking. Obviously, Dragic has been shooting the ball really well from outside. Robinson uh, was on fire yesterday. Uh, I mean, if you're the Bucks and you're looking at this team, and they're on fire from three every single night, and you've got a guy who can get to the free throw line in Jimmy Butler, you got to be a little bit scared, knowing that you're a team that gives up three-pointers pretty regularly. You're a great defensive team inside, no doubt about it. You, you wall off the paint, but... You're going to give up some baskets, and you know you're going to give up threes. Right now, the Heat are shooting the ball really well. Will it continue uh, for the rest of this playoff series? We'll see. They have some cold stretches, and will it continue into round two? Also a question mark. But right now, Dragic and Butler, they look like two closers on the same team, and that's uh, that's a scary thing to deal with in the playoffs. Yeah, I actually wrote that down in my notes here. Are we Have we given Spolstra enough credit for opting to start Dragic over Kendrick Nunn? Who was Miami's starting point guard all season long, to the fact now to the point where like Nunn isn't even playing in these playoffs, um, and I think Nunn helped him out in that decision, 
by not playing well in the bubble. Um, I, I know he had some very, very rough games down there shooting the ball-wise, and then it was like maybe it was like easy to go with the vet in Dragic. But that was a move that I'm not sure. Like, does Budenholzer make that move? I don't think so. Or not even play him? Very unlikely. And uh, yeah, FIBA Dragic, as we talked about after game one, he's been incredible. Yeah. Every time that, it, you know, any time the other team and the Pacers are putting up one hell of a fight, especially without Sabonis, this would be a much, much more competitive series if he's there. But they're still even in these games. But it's Dragic or Butler, of course, hitting like those timely buckets, those ones that stop the run for the other team, the one that ices the game. And Dragic, just like his, you know, ability to drive, especially when you have all these shooters. If you got Duncan Robinson out there, you got Tyler Hero out there at times, you got to just stay on those guys. They're just going to be on the perimeter. But someone else needs to get inside a little bit, create off the dribble. And Dragic can do that with all those little flip shots and stuff like that. He's been awesome to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Heat look great. I mean, I I was worried about the Pacers' chances in this series from the start. Just a bad matchup. And uh, I still think this is going to be, well, now it might, could be a sweep for all we know, but five is still the likely outcome to me. I don't know about what you think, Lee. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think the uh, Pacers are outclassed and it's just not a good matchup. And TJ Warren has uh, not been able to reproduce the form that uh, got him on the all-NBA first team in the bubble there. And uh, I think, again, like Jimmy Butler has stepped up now. It's not just Butler versus TJ Warren, but you're seeing the difference in class of the player. Like Jimmy Butler is, again, leading his team and, and leading by example and showing, doing all those things, hitting those threes. He's not a great three-point shooter. Hit another two yesterday. Um, you know, he, he steps up to the moment. And I think that's uh, that's what's really important here is that that's what a, a leader does. And, you know, when you get off to a hot start like Duncan Robinson, I think his first, I think it was their first three possessions, there were threes. Yep. You know, that sort of sets the tone that you're like, we've got more than just one or two guys on this team who can get a basket and we've got different ways to score, which for the, uh, uh, for the Pacers... It just doesn't feel like that. It feels like they have to grind out so many baskets. And um, that, that I think, I mean, this was only a nine-point game in the end, but, you know, it, it didn't have a lot. This one wasn't all that captivating, though, because I just sort of felt that Miami were in control. Who, you know, they, they set the pace and, and they sort of just they just sort of kept that buffer, um, I thought, from Indiana. I just It just didn't feel like Indiana, like they were working so hard to sort of stay within the game, but it was like Miami can kind of take this anytime they want. And... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Nate McMillan has any adjustments in the next two or three, uh, well, you know, two or three games, I guess. But um, I feel like Miami's uh, pretty dominant so far, and uh, and they they know that. I mean, Bam again, he didn't have a great game yesterday, but uh, he's just so impactful. I think at both ends when he when he wants to be because he can jump so high, he can get to every ball defensively, and then on the offensive end, they've got that option to run the pick and roll, or he's got that little flip up shot too. So mm-hmm. they've got so many weapons there that I, I just don't think that uh, Indiana can compete with. Tass, anything to add to this one? Well, sure. I think uh, the moves just that you mentioned about Kendrick Nunn, uh, who did leave the bubble and then kind of came back and, and uh, Eric Spolscher decided, nah, uh, we're going with Goran Dragic, maybe a little bit more veteran presence, a little bit better defensively, which I guess is saying something about Kendrick Nunn. And also Myers Leonard, who is a starter basically all right. year for this yeah. team. And he said, meh. No, thank you. Uh, we're we're going to go sort of stretch four guys around uh, instead of having Bam and Myers on the floor. I think the key was, and, and Trey sort of mentioned, about the paint being nice and open. Uh, that happens when you don't play two bigs, and uh, I think that's important for uh, for Jimmy Butler to get in there. And, uh, yeah, just to talk about Duncan Robinson, who was a, a scorcher out there, uh, hitting seven threes, and I'm sure these Pacers and Nate McMillan have watched game tape and they know the Schumann stat that Duncan Robinson is on fire every single game. He hits a lot of his threes in the first quarter, the first few minutes even. That's <laughs> yeah. what they do. And and it's obviously um, part of the game plan because he saw Jay Crowder get an offensive rebound. And I've never seen Drake, Jay Crowder do this, but something in his bag where he was like looking at the rim and fired it just to a spot where Duncan Robinson was supposed to be. It was a beautiful pass. They're going to Duncan Robinson every single possession. I think Victor Oladipo, who we talk about, and had a, you know, a decent offensive game, his best offensive game in a while. I, I think maybe he was thinking about the offensive end and coming back from that eye injury, or just he's just not the same on the defensive end either. And not to put Duncan Robinson's game all on Oladipo, but it hurt. Uh, Oladipo was a step slow guarding Duncan Robinson. They were doing a good job getting him open. Bam Adebayo is great at that. And once you get Duncan going, uh, he don't stop. He had eight shots. They're all from three-point land. Uh, you, maybe uh, Oladipo was you know, thinking about saving his energy for the offensive end because he is a great defensive player, but uh, that, that hurt them big time. Uh, if Duncan Robinson isn't hot, if you can 
Kyle Korver him, like Kyle Korver has been uh, uh, sort of taken out of series in the past. That's that's big. That is big for a Miami Heat team. He had a lot of their threes. They're not an incredible shooting three-point team. And so you got to take him away from the get-go. Uh, who wants some trivia when it comes to the three-point shooting there from Duncan Robinson? Lee, I know you're shaking your head. Yeah, I'll do it like this. Dan Feldman, NBC Sports, coming through with this one. This is a fun one. I believe only six players uh, in NBA history have attempted more threes in a playoff game than Duncan Robinson did with without multiple misses, right? So Duncan Robinson uh, goes seven for eight. There's okay. six other guys that went either eight for nine or in one case, nine for 10 in a playoff game. I'm going to give you the series and see if you can get the player, okay? The series. We'll start with the guy that went nine for 10. 2011 Mavericks hmm. Lakers. Who's the player? Nine for 10. Yeah. Lake. <sighs> It's an old guy. An old man. He's got a lot of daughters. Jimmy Jackson? No. No. Got a lot of daughters. He's got, He's got a, a lot, lot of, of I believe he has. Oh, Jason Terry. Jason Terry. Oh, nine for is. ten. Yeah. All right. This guy we just got done talking about. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a giveaway. He needs to step up in his series. But 2014 Clippers Thunder. Went Chris, eight Paul. For, Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Went yeah, eight for wow. nine. Damn. All right. Uh, this guy, 2013 Warriors Spurs series. Uh. Clay. Clay Thompson, thank you. Why do you ask me that? Uh, okay, these get a little tougher here, Lee. Uh, 2009 Nuggets, New Orleans Hornets. But think about the Nuggets team. Eight for nine. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Mellow? No. This guy's a borderline Hall of Fame. Chance. 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 Oh. Chance Ooh, I was going for Sean Leonard there with the Nuggets <laughs> connection. Uh, two more. Uh, 2007 Spurs Nuggets series. Guys go. Guy goes eight for nine. Not uh, 2004. Wow. Yeah, 2007. 2007. 2007. No, no not Spurs. Gary. Gary Neal. He's a spur. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't remember this guy as a three-point shooter. Like Fabricio oh. Oberto. No, no, no. Get no. it, <laughs> I mean, you know this player. He was a good player. He won. Sean he... Elliott. We're talking Spurs, right? Spurs. We're talking Spurs. Roger Mason. He's a two-time All-Star. Two-time All-Star. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Oh, he averaged 15 points per game in his career. He played over 1,000 games. That's pretty good. I just... I just didn't think of him as a three-point shooter. So that was must have been a great game. So he won a title, obviously, that year with the Spurs. Uh, two-time All-Star. Was, who was he an All-Star with? Will that give it away? Uh, he probably was an All-Star with the... Uh, Manu Ginobili. No. <laughs> well, I can try and find out. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Come on, guys. Come on. Um, Willie Anderson. <laughs> you know what's amazing? <laughs> what? Do, okay, this guy's nickname is what my nickname is for dollars. <laughs> What? Michael Finley. <laughs> Michael <Dude>. Finley. <laughs> <Dogs>. <laughs> Michael Finley. Wow. Finley. Okay. I think he was wow. still playing in 2007. Yeah. Hey, what a title. It yeah. Yeah. Uh, and final one. Um, well, this guy's got a tie to uh, the music industry. Uh, 1997 Hawks Kaka versus the Bulls. <laughs> this guy went eight for nine. Tied to the this music a, industry, huh? Well, Joe yeah. Smith. No, no. Master P. No, no. He's a guard. He's, he was a he was an all star, I think. Did he make an all star team? Um, you know, you know, something happened in his. Yeah, uh, he was Mookie a, Blaylock. Mookie Blaylock. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. He was a little ahead of his time when it came in the NBA. Guy, guy could shoot the three. He had a couple years. I think he uh, dominated when the the line was shorter. If I if I'm not mistaken. Maybe yeah. Yeah. There you go. Huh. Good one. Man, I haven't done trivia in so long. I was a little rusty. All right. <laughs> Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. All right. I mean, we don't need to overthink this one. Uh, Lakers running away with the game last night. ESPN's Mark Jackson, he began discussing some of uh, George Carl's former teams and uh, the perceived lack of defense because he was talking about Melo having played for the Nuggets under Carl. Well, George Carl, <clears throat> excuse me, f- you know, heard about this either watching the game or someone texted him. He tweeted, oh, I heard at Mark Jackson 13, yeah, yeah, it's him at least, is taking shots at my defensive coaching during tonight's broadcast. Remind me, how many all-star teams did you coach, Mark? <laughs> how many DPOYs? How many finals appearances? And then the kicker, how many of my teams became dynasties right after I left? <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, right before midnight, uh, Mark Jackson, after the broadcast, I guess, right near the end, he responded with the quote tweet. Read quote tweet. Wasn't even thinking of you. <laughs> By the way, I never lost to you in the playoffs as a player or as a coach. 
God bless you and yours. <laughs> so yeah, a little coach beef here. Former coach beef between Carl and Mark Jackson. I loved uh, Tom Ziller's breakdown of that response from Mark Jackson in his newsletter today. One, I wasn't talking about you. Two, if I was talking about you, just know that I beat your ass in the playoffs as a player <laughs> and a coach. And three, blessings. <laughs> blessings. Funny <laughs> response. But uh, yeah, this is like sort of like, I don't know, just out of nowhere. And I know George Carl's been coming up a lot here on the broadcast. Uh, <laughs> Lee, you've uh, had your eye on a lot of his tweets. I think Taz has too. So mm-hmm, he's dropping mm-hmm. some spiciness there last night. Maybe uh, maybe overreacting a little bit, but I guess maybe they hate each other. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you wonder about the beast. Of course, that goes back to the Nuggets and Warriors series when the uh, Warriors upset the Nuggets in, I guess, 20-something, 13 or 14. I can't remember. 13. When the... Uh, yeah, when uh, when when Mark Jackson apparently had the intel from uh, Andre Iguodala, oh, right, right, yeah, in that series, and then Iggy joined the Warriors the next season. So uh, I think there's uh, probably a little bit of bitterness still from that series, if you ask me. Mm, I love it. I love seeing the fact that a 69 year old man <laughs> can get on Twitter and get into a scrap. Everybody now, I feel a lot better about any of my Twitter scraps because you're not just because of your age, you're not free of being reeled in. To a Twitter beef. Everybody can get into a Twitter beef. <laughs> Trey, anything to add to this? Uh, I don't really know whose side I'm on on this one. It's a it's a tough call. You know, the Warriors definitely turned into a dynasty once Mark Jackson was gone and Steve Kerr was like, you know, it was great posting up Jermaine O'Neal all those times, but what if we let these two guys shoot threes from the outside? That might work. On the other hand, you got George Carl, who's kind of famous for coming up short in the playoffs and getting ushered out of whatever coaching spot he's in because yeah. his players have turned on him. Um, I guess this is a double loss uh, or a double <laughs> win because I'm going to definitely start using people's first names in tweets when I'm calling them out. Mm. you be like, uh, yeah, that's a really good point you made there. Tass, God bless you and yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you say God bless your heart, Tass, I mean, <laughs> yeah. go on. You, really, you really gave it to me. I think what Mark Jackson should have done is just snake emoji. Oh, oh wow! I got Mello's done that to George Carl before, right? A lot of people. Oh, it was have. Demarcus Cousins, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Oh, I think I keep. I thought Isaiah yeah. Thomas did it, but I guess not. I guess yeah. Well, that's, I guess it was Cuz. Yeah, that's the weird thing with this one. It's like both of these guys not the most well liked in a lot of NBA circles. I'd say even a lot of NBA fans or some you know fan bases teams. Uh, yeah, this was a strange one. But let's hear how you're. Uh, how you're grading this one? What's your scorecard? You're Helwani on this one. What's the scorecard with these uh, the coach beef here, the Twitter beef between George Carl and Mark Jackson? Let us know on Twitter at least at No Dunk Sick. All right, about to wrap this up, but uh, the games continue to us. We're into uh, I guess game threes today for four of these series. What are we looking at? What's the game of the day? So nice quadruple header again. The quads don't stop. Uh, Toronto <laughs> Brooklyn on NBA TV. Then we get Denver Jazz. Should be a juicy one. And then, uh, yeah, that's part of TNT. Continuing with Boston, Philly on TNT, and then Clippers, Dallas on TNT. Baby, the best series going on. But I want to focus on Boston, Philly, because I have a question for you guys. I assume the Philadelphia 76ers are not going to put forth a great effort. I don't think that they have it in them to keep on fighting when it seems like the series and the season is done for them. Now, uh, when guys break huddles, when they know it's over, they're down 3-0, the joke is that they break it with 1-2-3 Cancun, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but I don't think guys are going to be doing that this year because no disrespect to the country of Mexico. I just don't think people are going to Cancun after the season is done. They're going home. Right. There's a coronavirus. There's a pandemic happening. It's more likely they're going home. So my question to you, question to everybody out there on YouTube what do you say when you break a huddle when you know it's done? <laughs> one, two, three, we're going home. One, two, three, primary residences. Primary, primary residence. Uh, one, two, three. What do you think? Pop, pop. Because the bubble's over for this team. Uh, uh, one, two, three, pop, pop. Not what bad. do you think pop, pop's good? Not what about bad. just one, two, three, bye? <laughs> so they're tired of each other. They're going to be leaving each other. They're not going anywhere together. Mm. Yeah, just... one two three home quarantine according to Sarah Gray. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. One two three home quarantine. Warren, one two three family time according to uh, <laughs> Zach. There. Okay. Zach what about Q. this? One two three go vote. How about that? Mm. Oh, that's mm. nice there, Lily. Very nice. Mm. Maybe the mics pick it up. Good stuff. Okay. Okay. So uh, that you know, just one thing about that game, the line on that one. I know we're not doing the pick 'em uh, payoff anymore or pick 'em games. 
that line is not as big as you'd think it would be, I thought. Because, yeah, okay, it's in Philly, right? It's uh, their uh, home court now, their virtual fans, their music. But I think the Celtics, last I saw Tass, were favored by five and a half. It's not a lot. Um, no. Which makes me think... What do they know? I think, I don't know, for some reason, I think the Sixers cover that line. Maybe, mm. even if they lose, maybe this is the one fight they've got into them. Uh, mm. But I just thought that line was strange. That should yeah, be way yeah. bigger to me with after what we've just seen, how well the Celtics have played and how poorly the Sixers have played and look like they're checked out and all that. I know Philly's bringing the booze with them. They're yeah. going to bring the booze. You can't beat the booze. All right, right. I forgot about the booze they're going to be pumping in there. Home court yeah. booze. I'm taking Philly to cover that. As weird as that sounds. I don't know why. Something, something's going on there. It's, it's a little fishy to me. But all right. Those are the games. We'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, you heard me. We'll be back on a Saturday, 10 o'clock Eastern, live on YouTube, to recap all of Friday's games. All four games. Any other news that happens. Yeah, we're going to try and take this through the weekend. Did you guys know that? I hope I wasn't. <laughs> I know JD knows, but I can't remember if you guys do. So yeah, we'll be back here on Saturday, live on YouTube at 10 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the notification button so you know when we're going live and wherever you listen to the podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe. I'm sure you have if you're listening to this. Tell your friends about it. And if you listen on Apple, leave us that five-star rating and review. We'd really, really appreciate it. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, <laughs> gotta put point. that on a t-shirt. <laughs> what the, the kid pointing? Yeah. Yeah. I love how he's smiling when he's yeah. saying it and walking away. Oh, that's a great clip. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. And remember, one, two, three. Subscribe. Embrace the day, people. Oh.